Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Welcome to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast. With me, as always, is Derek Swistak. Hey, hey. And Aaron Fleming. Muy buenas tardes. Buenas hey, tardes. Hey, 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 hey. How do you say hey, hey in Spanish? Oye, oye. All right, all right. Now I got some. So we've been talking about uh, everyone's favorite group project um, and how those would work in a cooperative context. So then last time we talked a little bit about the setup and that need for formative assessment, but eventually we are going to have to do maybe a little more, um, a little more formal of an assessment, not so much the monitoring and intervening, but maybe having a rubric or some sort of tool that we can measure uh, student progress on the project. Sounds good. Um, we cannot see your thumbs up, Aaron. I can tell you. That, right that was a thumbs up for all of you in the car. <laughs> yeah, I think rubrics is one of those like uh, things that uh, is a great assessment tool. And I think the, the key to it is to constantly be evaluating where we are, where we'd like to be. Um, one of the things that I think is really valuable is to involve the students in the creation of those rubrics. And that that is a really tough thing to do it's a tough thing for people to to grasp and it's and it's a and if and if starting with a blank piece of paper nearly impossible students have a lot of different experiences with rubrics um, they might know of a rubric as being your typical four three two one uh, they may know of a single point rubric they may know of rubrics as being more checklisty they may know of rubrics being a two-point rubric right like they have a lot of different experiences with rubrics because a lot of different teachers have used them. And this, this podcast is not about telling you which one you should use at all, or, or even laying judgment on that, but just thinking through, do students know what they're being held accountable for? How do they know it? Do they agree that it's valuable, whether it's an academic skill or whether it is a, a genuine like social skill, something that's something authentic that, that a student would say, yeah, you know what, if I do learn how to better paraphrase people, um, you know, that, that's going to that's gonna pay some serious dividends as opposed to the, the teacher saying, okay, we're going to learn to paraphrase and not giving a reason as to why. You know, having, having some student input. And that is where I think, you know, when Aaron did our looks like, sounds like for like our social skills, I think you can pull some of those things out and talk about like, what skills are we acquiring and how does that make us better um, as we go? Well, and, and it's all in the setup, right? It's, it's all in how you build your philosophy of your classroom. We are conditioned, right? We are conditioned as teachers. We always have been. It's assigning the points. This is the grade. And of course, we're, we're, we're seeing new ways to monitor, intervene, and to assess. But sometimes we have to let kids know that, just as you said, Derek, some of the most important factors in, you know, in the success of the group and in the individual have to do with those social skills and the way that they interact and the way that they learn and assess their own learning and assess their group learning. So I think giving students that chance to say, okay, uh, let's sit down with your group today. You know, and if we all had to assess how you did with social skill X today, you know, how did you do? How does that compare to last time? then I might share with them some of my observations and start to see how, how good they're getting at 
their self-assessment and know that they're going to start to know that you value that. That's, that's where we want to go. If we want to make sure that the students are, let's say, owning the rubric, right? They want to, we want, we want them to have a hand in creating it. And also we want them to take that self-assessment important. I think then it's, it's so important to make it accessible. I think we've all seen rubrics that have four or five, six, seven, eight descriptors, all the way from never to always with every adjective that you could use in between in where experienced teachers can fight for hours about the difference between usually and most. So when we're building these rubrics and when we want to measure whether it's cooperative skills or whether it's academic skills, we want to keep those rubrics as simple as possible. I was talking about building a narrower rubric, but maybe a longer rubric so we can measure more individual pieces of skills, but have less differentiators. So the student can say, hey, that's something I'm really good at. That's something I'm, I'm improving at, but that's something that I haven't had too much success with yet. Even there, having those three descriptors, that can be tricky for a student that's really ne- never been metacognitive like that. So I'm a huge fan of those single point re- or just the two point rubrics. The, did you do it or didn't you do it? And then sometimes putting that maybe category in there um, or that developing category uh, can be useful. Yeah, and I think where Adam started that 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 little um, talk was about student. It was really speaking to student agency, and like there are there are there are pieces that we know that we can give students the ability to have some ownership, and there are places where where we can't. Um, you know, if you teach an AP course, there's not a lot of agency as to to what's going to be learned or the the content or even or even the skills that are going to be learned from that. If you teach, um, you know, if you're teaching someone how to read, I don't know that there's a lot of um, leeway um, for what the skills or what what things the kids need to know in order to continue to be able to, you know, read. Um, and so, you know, giving them some agency, whether that is over, um, you know, what they're reading or, or the skills, the, the academics, the non-academic skills that they're going to practice as they're going through the academic task, um, letting them be creative, letting them have some inquiry, um, allowing for feedback between teacher and student and student and student um, becomes really, really important as you don't have some, you cannot give the students some agency or some ownership over those, those pieces um, that might make it a little more authentic on the academic side. Um, and then sometimes you have a little bit more leeway on the academic side and letting them choose their product and letting them choose what they're going to study and then, or, or what problem they're looking to solve. And now you're really trying to hone in on certain behaviors, certain aspects. Uh, maybe you, you want them to, to be a little bit more introspective, as, as, as Adam said, you know, being a little bit more metacognitive. Those, those, are, those are things you got to have some, some basis of where to start. Um, and, and they, they don't come easy and they, they, really, they really take a lot of forethought as to, to what you're trying to build. What kind of, what kind of, what do you want to leave kids, to leave kids with? I do have one question for, for both of you. When it comes to this, you know, getting students to, to have that metacognition about, you know, the process, about how to get there. And I know here in future episodes, we're going to talk about, that measure of accountability of that individual summative assessment, right? But how do you keep track 
you know, where do you store that data for kids or how do you make it meaningful for them? What's a question, you know, you always hear from kids. It's because they're conditioned. How many points is this worth? Is there a test on this? You know, the funny part is I don't hear that in some classes. Um, I think it depends upon what, you know, what kind of class are you running? Full disclosure, I see lots of classrooms. Adam sees lots of classrooms. Aaron sees lots of classrooms, right? And so some classrooms, that is a thing. And I almost feel like it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy where, you know, you know that that teacher has a hundred assignments in the book per semester, you know, or per quarter, you know, then the kids get conditioned to really ask about how many points is it worth? When is it due? How is it due? And maybe that's what you're trying to build. I don't know that that facilitates learning necessarily. And um, teachers probably get a little fatigued from it as well. And some people really, really, they really enjoy knowing those kinds of things. Those are called independent learners. Usually they're the ones that are in college and they're, they're, they're working towards a goal. Right. And um, that may or may not be the students that are in front of us, especially at at these younger ages. Um, They're not a hundred percent there. And that's where we want to get them to is to become more independent learners. So yeah, I think it, it, it becomes, that's actually a good test when you're in a class is our kids asking about how many points something is or, or where that falls in. Are they concerned about the grade or are they not? Are they concerned about the learning? And um, there's a big difference. Uh, so, someone I, I worked with for a few years, um, uh, shout out to Katie, would always talk about you know, assessment capable learners and that did students know what the objectives were, where they were in their learning process, and where they need to get before that summative happened. And I think that that is where this plays out. So that if we can help the students become assessment-capable learners and they know, here are the criteria that ultimately I'm going to be responsible for, everything I'm doing is aligning to those criteria, again, whether it's academic goals or social goals, and it might not be apparent right now what the summative is, but I have trust in my teacher because we've been doing this for a while that eventually we'll get to that point where I'll be able to demonstrate my learning in a way that is accurate, that that's respectful of my time as the student and that I have the opportunity to do my best. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about this is just the idea of like reflection, um, going back and, and, and fixing things like, that mentality of like, do, do students have that mentality that like, all is not lost because I did not know it Tuesday at noon, you know, or I did not understand what I needed to do Tuesday at noon. Like it can hold till Thursday and it's okay. Or it can hold till next Tuesday. And, and I'm going to demonstrate and I'm going to be able to persevere and I'm going to be able to, 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 because I know that I have someone that I can rely on. Um, and hopefully I have a facilitator that I can rely on. I have a teacher that I can rely on that, that isn't giving me all the answers, that, that really cares that I grow in my knowledge, in my understanding of this academic structure, but that I also grow in my understanding of how to become a more independent learner. Man, Adam, that, that's, that's brilliant, um, that what, what, Katie, what Katie shared there. That's really great. She is a very smart woman. Um, so I think you know, we've been talking a lot, even though we're, we're talking about assessment, we're still talking about formative assessment probably a little more formal than what we talked about last week. So I think that, again, we'll put a pin in it. And next week, let's talk about what is that formal summative piece. But until then, vamos a cooperar. 
Okay, let's cooperate. Thank you for listening to the Building the Cooperative Classroom podcast, the official podcast of the Johnson & Johnson Cooperative Learning Institute. Please check out the show notes for all relevant links, including a link to our Twitter account and the Cooperative Learning Institute webpage. This podcast is copyrighted under the Creative Commons license, copyright 2021. Theme music, courtesy of Jimmy Ryan.